Hello and welcome to a time of edification with Caruso Ministry. Get ready to be edified and equipped to edify others. Ready? Let's begin. Glory to Jesus. You see, nothing in this world will matter as much as Jesus. Hallelujah. Nothing in this world fills a man as much as Jesus. Hallelujah. Doesn't matter how much money the man has. Doesn't matter how much influence and affluence the man has. Doesn't matter how much connections the man has. Doesn't matter who or who the person knows. Nothing fills a heart like Jesus does. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. And that's why it's the love of my life. That's the reason it's the love of my life. That, you see, that's, that's the reason this is worth it. Do you understand? Ours is a study of his word. It's nothing. <laughs> Just that. This, this is a love affair. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. There is no greater knowledge. Are we together? There is no greater, there is no greater honor than to be able to understand the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There is nothing greater than this. This is the greatest honor a man can have. This is the greatest knowledge any man can accumulate. Are we together, guys? And so in Christ Jesus, I'm content. Glory to Jesus. In Christ Jesus, I'm content. I have all that I need. Hallelujah. In him, I'm okay. Glory to Jesus. Whether there's money or there's no money, whether, you know, I'm known or I'm not known, glory to Jesus. In him, I'm content. Hallelujah. He has satisfied the test and the quench of my heart. Hallelujah. I'm no longer thirsty. Glory to Jesus. And guess what? Not only, not only am I no longer thirsty, I've become a spring, springing up with living water. Glory to Jesus. So now I come across people who are thirsty and I get them filled. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, I've got the Holy Ghost. Ah, I've got the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. I've got the Holy Ghost. Glory to Jesus. You see, Jesus remains the answer. Hallelujah. Jesus remains the answer. You see, there are a lot of people today who are going about trying to find an identity for themselves, trying to figure out what their lives are about, trying to figure out what exactly it is they're supposed to do with their lives. Let's give them a dose of Jesus. Hallelujah. You see, when you found Jesus, you found something worth living for. Interestingly, also, you found something worth dying for. I'm telling you, you know, there's a song by, you know, um, um, by Minister Lawrence Soyo. He says, Jesus is someone to shout about. He says, who can see him and not start to shout? Ah, you know, the, the, the woman, you know, the Samaritan woman at the well, all her life had, always, had only been known from, from jumping from men to men. Are we together, guys? She came in contact with Jesus, and now she became an evangelist. There's something about Jesus that changes the life of a man. Gives you something else to live for. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Say in Christ Jesus, I'm content. Say in Christ Jesus, I have all that I need. I have all that I need. Say I thirst no more. And I, I, I'm hungry no more. Because I'm eating of the bread of life. Say I'm drunk. I believe of life. And I'll no longer be thirsty. Just lift your hands and give him thanks. Come on, lift your hands and give him thanks. Oh Lord Jesus, thank you. You know, while we're giving thanks, you know, I just sensed in my heart that there's someone here, and you know, recently been having the question in your heart again and again, what am I here for? I mean, you know, of course, like I mean, you know because you know about the concept of purpose, you know about you know that you know you are here for a reason, but you've just been trying to understand what exactly. Am I, you know, on this earth for what has God sent me here for? What is that, you know, defining thing about me? And you see, the, the response to that question is this. 
get a hold of Jesus. And, and this, this is not for you to become saved. This is you for you to immerse yourself in this gospel. You see, something about the revelation of Jesus that reveals to a man who he is. Hallelujah. You know, in Matthew 16, when um, Jesus was asking his disciples, he says, whom do men say that I the son of man am? All right, and everybody had answered. And then, he, you know, he asked Peter. And then Peter said, thou art Christ, the son of the living God. And, you know, immediately he says, blessed that thou Simon by Jonah for flesh and blood has not revealed Jesus. So he says, and therefore, he says, you are Peter. And upon this rock, I'll build my church. So the discovery of who Jesus is or knowing who Jesus is reveals to the man who he is. Are, you, are we together, guys? Glory to Jesus. So when you understand clearly who God is and who God is in Christ Jesus, it reveals to you who you are. Glory to Jesus. See, I have never become more alive than the day I recognized who God was in Christ. I was together. The moment I understood what his purpose on the earth was, I knew immediately where I stood. I knew it. Hallelujah. And from that day, my life changed, turned around. Hallelujah. I, I, I had something to live for. Glory to Jesus. I had something to wake up in the morning for. I had something to stay up, stay up at night to live for. I had something to spend hours on. I had something worth spending my money on without blinking a dime. Hallelujah. The gospel of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Why don't hold the hands of your neighbor? Let's say some words together. Hold the hands of your neighbor. Hold the hands of your neighbor. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Hold the hands of your neighbor. All right. We're going to be saying this together aloud. Say, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, say, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for light and for illumination. And say, as we learn of your word, we receive insights and revelation in your word. We receive an atmosphere of clarity. We receive the burden of ignorance dematerialized. We receive the burden of ignorance done with. And we receive an atmosphere of the supernatural where everything good is possible. Where anything good can happen. In the name of Jesus, we receive visions, sights, sounds of the supernatural. We receive supernatural direction in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Have you seen? Have you seen? Glory to Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. You see, let, let me start by saying this. You know, um, you see, the teaching of God's word is supernatural. Praise God. The teaching of God's word is supernatural. You see, one tendency that we can have. Right, when we are gathered like this, you know, where we give ourselves to a sort of scholastic approach to God's word and we study God's word for hours, we can have the tendency to approach God's word academically. And while, of course, it's not a bad thing to approach God's word that way, it's mustn't, the approach to which you study God's word mustn't change the fact that the teaching of God's word is supernatural. I will together that. So, for example, Paul was speaking in 1 Corinthians 2 from verse 1. He says, When I came unto you, brethren, I came unto you with excellency of speech of wisdom, declaring unto you the um, testimony of God. He says, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. All right? And then he says, My speech and my preaching were not with enticing words of man's speech, all right? but in the demonstration of the words of spirit and power, that your faith should not stand in the words of wisdom of men, but in the words, but in the power of God. Hallelujah. So it means that even though, of course, I mean, even though, of course, I, I, I did, you know, a lot of study and research 
you need to prepare for this teaching. When I'm declaring God's word to you, I'm not declaring God's word to you just based on the excellency of speech or wisdom. Do you understand me? But, you know, teaching God's word is not a function of eloquence. It's not a function of how well articul articulated you are. That you can speak like philadelphia or that you know how to compose your words together like busi. No, that's not it. Are we together? The teaching of God's word is done in demonstration of the spirit of power. Somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. But not only is the teaching of God's word done in the demonstration of spirit and power, the receiving of God's word is also spiritual. Are we together, guys? There is a way to receive the word. You know, I love the way Jeremiah puts it. Open your Bible to Jeremiah chapter 15 and 16 very quickly. Jeremiah chapter 15 and 16. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, Jeremiah chapter 15 and verse 16. He says, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. He says, um, And I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Hallelujah. Look at what he says there. He says, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. The word used for eat there literally means it means to consume something. So it means that when you get a hold of the word, you consume it up, you take it up. You see, the teaching of God's word, better still, the learning of God's word is active. Hallelujah. Somebody say active. It is active. Because you see, God's word in itself is active. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, it says the word of God is quick. The word quick then means it is living. All right, the word of God, the word of God is living and powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It says pierces asunder to the dividing of soul and spirit of joint and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Hallelujah. So it means that the the word of God in itself is alive. It can do stuff. Are we together? And so you don't receive the word as some. You don't receive the word as though it's some. It is just some. You know, um, uh, it's something that doesn't. It does. It's, it's not something that doesn't work. Are we together? The word of God is alive. Say the word of God is alive. The word of God is alive. And it's alive in me. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. And you see, that's the reason why the word of God can do stuff in your life. Because it's alive. Are we together? And in fact, not only is the word of God alive, you are begotten by the word. And that's something interesting to always know. You see, for every time when you come to learn God's word, the mindset you must always have is, I can know God's word and I can do God's word. Are we together? It's very important because you see, a lot of people actually already have a mindset to God's word. They are like, mm, nobody knows. Is if God wants us to know that we will know? No. He has given it over to you to know. Are you with me, guys? He has given you the Bible to know. Say, I can know the Bible. Say, I can understand the scriptures. Yeah, that's the most important thing to know. See, one of the biggest confidence I have to stay with God's word for hours is because I know if I stay with it long enough, I'll get it. Do you understand? The only barrier between me and the answer I need, of course, is a good teacher and time. Are you with me? If I stay with the word of God long enough, I'll get the answer. Do you understand me? And that is literally the confidence I have to sit down with God's word for hours. If I sit down with this thing, I'm going to get it. Are you with me? That's it. You can know the word. I can't know the word. That's something you always say to yourself again and again. I can know the word. I'm born of the word. Therefore, I can understand the word and I can live according to the word. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible says in James 1, verse 18, it says, of his own will begotten us by the word of his truth that we should be a kind of first fruit of his creature. So it says that you are begotten of the word. You are born of the word. Say, I'm born of the word. I'm born of the word. Exactly. So it says you are born of the word. First Peter chapter 1, verse 23. It says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. It says, by the living word of God, which lives and abides forever. Hey! Born of the word that lives and abides forever. It means heaven and earth may pass away, but guess what? I am stable and grounded. There's no shaking here. 
Do you understand me? Bible says heaven and earth will pass away, but a dot of God's word of rights will not pass away. Do you understand me? So I'm born of the word, therefore there is conviction and there is boldness in you. Glory to Jesus. You know, I, I, one of the examples I love the most that Jesus made, Jesus was talking about a man, you know, who builds his house, who builds his house upon the word, one who receives the word and does it. He says, it's like a man who builds his house upon the rock. He says, when the winds came, when the storm came, all right, he says that he beat upon the house, but guess what? The house was still standing. Notice he didn't say if, he says when. So it's only a matter of time. You see, the, word, the way the world works, if you stay around long enough, and I mean, by stay around long enough, I mean, if you do at least 20 years on this earth, Things will come around that will test your conviction. Are you, are you with me, guys? So the reality of it is this. It's not a matter of if trials or temptations will come. It's a matter of when. They will come. Do you understand me? But a man who builds himself upon the word, what he does is that he has staying power. Are you with me? He has staying power. Everything comes and he's still standing. That's it. It's that simple. <laughs> staying power. It's built in the word. You consume the word. And that's why I, I, I said I like the way Jeremiah puts it. He says that words were found. So first of all is that you go after the word. Do you understand me? So you need to realize God's word is active. The reception is active. It's something you do actively. It's not just by, you know, you're just sitting down. No, you're receiving it in your mind actively. You're ruminating upon it. Do you understand me? You're concentrating. Nobody must distract me. I'm focused. That's how you receive the word. He says that words were found. So you discover you could get a hold of it. Do you understand me? So as the pastor is saying it, you are getting a hold of it. And then he says, I did eat it. Ah, I consumed it. So the next thing to do when you find the word is what? You consume it. You get it. Your mind takes it apart. You sink it into your consciousness. And that's what he says next. He says it became the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. So that is why the response to God's word will always be joy. Hallelujah. In an atmosphere of the world, there is a response of joy. It just emanates from within. I mean, when you see, for example, what God has done for the man in Christ, how do you not yield in joy? Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. You know, he did so much for the man in Christ. Angels busted out saying, who is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you visit him? He says, you have made him a little lower than angels. You've crowned him with glory and honor. Meaning, you know, the angels could not understand what is so special about this person. Are we together, guys? That's it. That's the man in Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Praise God. You know, the man in Christ is the most beautiful of God's creation. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. He cannot be improved upon. He's the best of God's creation. Hallelujah. You know, when Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 17, that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. I was explaining this to my guys a while ago. Then he says, every good gift and every perfect gift from above comes from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Now, people get that verse mixed up. I don't know how you read James 1, 17 that says, every good gift and perfect gift. And you think he's talking about car. Don't you think it's ironic? Because a car cannot be good and perfect. A car is good, but not perfect. There's no car that is perfect. It just my point. Give it a couple of months, they release a new version. Because about, about people you should check the load all the time. Kaya says good and perfect. It's 2012 Camry. How is that one good and perfect? No, Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. But in reality, when we talk about what is good and perfect, it can't be referring to something physical. Do you understand me? It's referring to something spiritual. And that's the reason why, in that context, it then goes into verse 18 and says, Of his own will begat he us by the word of his truth, that we should be a kind of first fruit. So when he was talking about what is good and perfect, it was his deposit in the new creation. Are you with me? So the new creation is so good, it cannot be improved upon. Hey! Are you with me? The new creation is so good, it cannot be improved upon. That's the reality. Everything that you need as a new creation is in your spirit. 
deeper and I need to sink that into your head very much. All you need is in your spirit. Hallelujah. And that's why we are heavy on the renewal of the mind. Because what are we trying to do? But the more, more and more we are trying to help your mind come to comprehend what you have in your spirit. That's what spiritual growth is about. More and more by reducing the barrier between your soul and your, and your spirit, between your mind and your spirit, helping you comprehend the more all that is in you in Christ Jesus. Because the moment you come into full comprehension, guess what? You become effective in your faith. And that's what Philemon was saying, Philemon 6, that the communication, the participation, the fellowship of your faith, they become effective or effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So as you acknowledge, the word acknowledge there is the word epignosis. It means an heightened form of knowledge. Meaning as you come to a grounded comprehension of all that is in you in Christ Jesus, guess what happens? You become effective. The participation of the faith becomes effectual. Does that make sense, guys? So I'm born of the word. I'm born of the word. Therefore, I can know the word and I can do the word. Ah, how, how would your life be if you understood that every promise in scripture is yours? Do you understand? You see, let me tell you something. The moment you recognize that I am born of the word, therefore, by nature, I respond to the word. That is the day you have found the solution for any possible thing you are going through. You know that? Because the answer is in scriptures. Meaning, whenever I come across a particular situation, all I need to do is to find the provision for that situation in the word and to put it in front of me long enough. I will respond to it because my DNA is of the word. Do you understand? This is the simple work. So, for example, you know, I'm not feeling so well in my body. There's sickness that is, you know, that is, you know, disturbing me. All I do, I go into scriptures. I look for healing scriptures, scriptures on healing. Do you understand me? Sometimes I look for sermons, God's word as regards healing. I sit down with it, I digest it. Sometimes you lock yourself in the house. Don't go out. You have people sick. There's no way you're going to. Just like, well, sit down in one place. Even if you are lying down, you don't have strength, you cannot it. sit down. Are you with me? Sit down. Get a hold of the word. Do you not know when you begin to feel better. That's what God's word does. Hallelujah. That's the antidote, I'm telling you. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. That's why I said, once you get a hold of this secret, you'll find the solution to anything you could possibly face. I'm serious. That's it. That's simple what it is. Once you know, I respond to the word. It means all I have to do is to find the provision of God's word concerning any matter and then put it in front of me. That's it. Do you I'm back in addiction. What does God's word say about my righteousness status? What does God's word say about the believer and sin? If I get the hold of it and I put it in front of me constantly, I will respond to it and I'll change. Are you with me? Glory to Jesus. Say the answer is in the word. The answer is in the word. And because I'm born of the word, I've got the answer. Hey, glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's it. God's word is supernatural. 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 That's it. So never think that, oh, because we have a sort of scholastic academic approach to God's word, you know, it still changes the fact that God's word is, God's word is powerful. Are you with me? God's word is powerful. You see, one thing about God's word also is that you teach God's word to people, you know, faith is rising in their hearts. That's something you must always keep in mind. Faith is rising. You see, I personally... You know, one of, the, one of the most consistent ways I see the miraculous in my ministry is through the teaching of God's word. That's it. A lot of times when I'm teaching God's word to people, you hear things like, you know, I came to the meeting with a burden, and then as you were teaching and teaching, I felt the burden lifted. Happens a lot. Are we together, guys? Other times you hear, I came, I wasn't feeling so well, I wasn't feeling so good, and as you were teaching and teaching, guess what? I began to feel better. And now, I give something. that someone will say, I give you know, I was feeling better in the meeting. I don't know that at the end of the meeting, there was no problem anymore. Hallelujah. It might not be spectacular, but guess what? It's supernatural. Glory to Jesus. And that's the beauty of God's word. It might not always be spectacular, 
When the SLL sometimes it can be spectacular. Sometimes people jump up in the meeting, they roll around. You know, the, the, the influence of the of the power of God might be so strong on them, they can't stand up. But listen to me, some other times it doesn't happen that way. But guess what? There's something happening. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. And you see, one, one thing I you know I sense very strongly is that I'm teaching God's word to some of you. There will just be clarity in front of you as you got situations. For some of it has already begun to happen. I saw it very strongly. That there are certain things that have been in front of you that you're not sure how it's going to, you know, what you're going to do. And for someone, it's going to appear like a screen in front of us and teaching. You just see a vision in front of you. You just, it's going to be like a flash. You just see. And you know what you're supposed to do. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. And it's called the spirit of sin and spirit of knowing. Hallelujah. Spirit of sin and spirit of knowing. Spirit of sin and spirit of knowing. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Say, I'm never confused. Say, I'm never confused. In the name of Jesus. Say, I'm never confused. In the name of Jesus. Say, I'm never confused. In the name of Jesus. Say, I'm never confused. In the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, I see I see someone um, trying to make a decision as regards somewhere around finances and business. It's almost as though you are you're not sure. There's a, it's, like, it's almost like you're trying to make a particular business move. But then it's like you're waiting. You're not sure if you should... You know, go ahead with it because I mean, because of money, because you think they're going to lose money in it. Can everybody close your eyes? Can I just see your hands if you are the person? Can I see your hands? All right, beautiful. Okay, no problem. Um, amen. Can I open your eyes back up? <clears throat> Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Amen. I'm not going to give any answer for that situation as well as I'm teaching you, you know what to do. Do you understand? You're going to know what to do because that's the power of God's work. Glory to Jesus. I'm going together, guys. Say, I have the answer. By the power of the Holy Ghost. I've got the answer. By the power of the Holy Ghost. Say, I'm never confused. Say, I'm never stranded. Say, help comes to me. In the name of Jesus. Say, I'm never stranded. I'm never helpless. Say, help comes to me. In the name of Jesus. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory. Please have your seat. Have your seat. <laughs> Let's get to my notes. I can do this again and again. Praise God. And what I just did there is what it means to teach by the influence of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. That's, that's the sweetest way to teach. That way you can go for hours. Just go. Because you just, you just sense a release in your spirit. Glory to Jesus. Sense a release in your spirit. And oftentimes or not, it comes with prophetic directions. Right? Prophetic directions. A lot of times, you know, you, you just sense your spirit to lead confession. Let me say this. I mean, for folks who are just joining us, you see, um, one thing about Carizo Ministry is that it's a very prophetic ministry, particularly with declarations. Declarations, you know. Um, not once, not twice. I've had declarations in my spirit. You know, there are times when I get a word of knowledge and I see there's someone here. There are some other times when I get a word of knowledge, I don't have the time to say there's someone here. So I just say, declare with me. Most of the time, I'm saying declare with me because there's somebody that that declaration has to do with. Do you understand me? So it will help you to get the hold on it. Do you get me? When we're teaching on this, there was a particular, um, when we talked on the leading of God's spirit in the layfare, you know, we're praying before the meeting in our discipleship class. I saw a vision. There was a lady who was about to, you know, she was about to make a very, um, she was about to, I think something about she was supposed to, Maybe jump and then pull her back or something like that. But something that was going to be very dangerous, all right, for her. And then we got into the meeting. I didn't forget the word. And then while in the meeting, I, you know, I just was leading declarations. And I said in the at the beginning of the meeting that um, something a declaration about 
in a place where I'm about to make a very grievous mistake, something like that, I'm pulled back by the, maybe by the hand of God or something like that. And then at the end of the meeting, more clarity came. And I said, for that person, I gave that word initially. I said, what I see is that it's actually you and a friend of yours. I said, you're about to make that mistake and error as you leave this meeting. In the name of Jesus, I held back. The lady reached out to me and said, actually, to be honest, since the plan was, I just came to the meeting, I just want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> I just came to me, I want to hear what you have to say. I want to say, I don't. <laughs> I can't do my own. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. God is Jehovah El Roy. He's the God who sees. Hallelujah. Respectfully, <laughs> there are certain reasons you don't come to, you don't to hide things. Glory to Jesus. You don't hide some things, you don't come to certain places. Yes, the places that God will show you like this. And it's not because it's your fofo, it's to save you. <laughs> it's not because God is your fofo, it's to save you. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah! All right, so let's get into the word. Second word of the two, Second Timothy chapter 2. Thank you, Jesus. Second Timothy chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter 2. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, ah, you know, when Elisha, when they sent, you know, they sent an army to pick up Elisha, and he was with his servants, and you know, Elisha woke up in the morning. First of all, it was even the servants that woke up. Servants woke up, went out, and saw that they were encamped around with soldiers. Hey! There's a problem. So he runs back to call the man of God. He said, man of God, come out. There's a problem. And the man of God came out. And the guy was so scared. <laughs> and Elisha looked around. Elisha knew. Now, Elisha wasn't scared. And now you'll be wondering, what exactly is the reason Elisha is not scared? Can't Elisha see what is going on? And Elisha knew, if I come, if I say, don't you know a man of God could need you? He said, you know what I'm going to do? Is Lord open his eyes that he may see. The moment the the Samar saw, <laughs> he saw that they were encamped around the host of fire. So he knew. So at that point in time, all of a sudden he wasn't scared anymore. Notice the situation didn't change. What he saw changed. Listen to me. Listen to me very clearly. You are only in doubt and fear because you are looking at the wrong thing. The situation is not big enough to cause fear. The issue is what you are looking at. Are you with me? That's it. The issue of what you are, you, you, ah, that's this situation. It's too small. It's too small. That's the reason Jesus could not comprehend. I'm in the boat. You are scared. Let me sleep. Jesus, you do that like I'm in the boat. Do you understand? For God's sake, let me sleep. Do you understand? The way they woke him up. No, normally in Labinus is a storm. Ah, let's go back. He respond. But not Jesus' response. So it's like, oh, you have little faith. If you mean to get to why you would think of Jesus in a boat and you would be scared, you couldn't comprehend it. It's all you have little faith. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Listen to me. There are much more for you than those against you. Yes, sir. Are you with me? Yes, sir. Do you understand me? Yes, sir. Scripture calls it innumerable coming of angels. Yes, they are much more for me than those. The problem is you are looking at the wrong, you are looking to the wrong things. That's it. Again, I'm saying to you, that situation is not big enough to cause you to be scared. You are looking at the wrong things. That's that the prophetic direction for someone. I, I know it's very strong in my heart. 
That's the prophetic direction for someone. You are looking at the wrong things. Focus rather on the capability of God by His Spirit in you. You will realize, I'm not alone. Are you with me? You will jump up on your hey, I'm not alone. There are days like that I've jumped up from my bed. Ah! Ha ha! I'm not alone. Eh! Nibo. Not alone, no. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. There is no lack here. There is no scarcity here. Hallelujah. All I need to live a good life and live it well. That's it. Glory to Jesus. Times, of course, times when maybe doubts come from time to time. You know, you have fears and concerns, you know. There's a joke I always make. Say, you know, weeping may just for the night, joy comes in the morning. Why? Because the morning is good. <laughs> it might sound like a joke, but generally, there is nothing that an hour in tongues cannot fix. Do you understand my point? It will clear out all those doubts from my eyes. I can't see it again. Do you understand my point? By the time I do one, one lot, one million, one hour, 30 minutes. Do you understand my point? I need to speak to me. I enter like two hours in the morning. I come out of there. I can't see the issue anymore. <laughs> do you understand? The, the best thing the devil can do, don't just let me wake up the next morning. Do you understand? Do your best. Let me not wake up. But if I can wake up, it don't end. Are we together? Glory to Jesus. I'm a winner always. Tell you, I'm a winner always. I'm a winner always. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Amen. So, so I want to leave you with a fresh sense of optimism. I'm saying it again categorically. Listen to me. You know, I believe that is one of the you know the grace of God upon my life. You cannot listen to me and you'll be in fear. You can't. Do you understand me? Something, something about God's word. That stirs off faith in people's hearts. It just throws you up. It's like a boat of electricity. It hits you. Hits you. You need, how, how are you young? I feel like you know you are giving up on yourself. Young. Do you understand me? There must be a fresh optimism about life in you. Do you understand? For some of you, you had that, that kind of optimism in university. You know, you had such big dreams and aspirations for yourself. When I leave school, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. Then you leave school and you're like, ah. It's not like that, though. <laughs> Dancing is my soul. <laughs> you know, you know what I Ah, this is not what they told us. Listen to me, I'm a winner even still. Are we together? Do you understand me? It's, it's just making the plot interesting. Do you get it? Just makes the plot. It just makes it a lot more nice. That's it. That's just all. I'm telling you. It might look like I'm about to lose, but guess what? He's about to turn around for a victory. I actually never, I never lose. Honestly. I ge- and I genuinely believe that I never lose. I'm telling you, whenever it looks like I lost, just wait. That means it's not the end. Do you get it? If it looks like I've lost, we've not gotten to the end. And do you understand me? Because there's only what we, one way it ends in me being victorious. That's it. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. That's why I don't know how to give up. I get connoted. I know the air word. You know, Sambi, I do no matter, no matter how it take be rich. We could do <laughs> just have my point. I, I don't know how to give up. There, there, there is the life of God in me. Do you understand? I, I just don't know how. Do you get me? Maybe if I knew how, I could have done so. I don't know how to give up. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Spirit of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Did that bless you? Just lift your hands and give God thanks. Lift your hands and give God thanks. Just give me thanks. Oh, Shandeli Astaglavati Gubana Materiative in the Antisis. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mam Rashati Kuveliasa Lembeleko Shandeleke Perwativi Nigavaliata. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Rati Gubashadli Diminigavene Metelege Buliata. 
Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so we have two hours, 20 minutes to go. So that means we have to long. Hallelujah. All right, so second one, two and verse two. Let's start okay, let's start from verse one, actually. All right. It says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the way that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast said of me are more many witnesses. It says, The same commit unto faithful men who shall be able to teach us also. All right, then in verse three, it says, Thou therefore endure hardness. Say hardness. Say hardness. All right. It says, Thou therefore endure hardness as the what? Good soldier of Jesus Christ. And I'll start by saying, you see, as a minister of the gospel, you must recognize that you are called a soldier. By means of the gospel, I actually mean every believer because every believer is a minister of the gospel. Are we together? I always say the second chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, even any man being Christ is a new creature, all things have passed away, behold, all things are become new. Then he now goes on in the next verse to say, All those things that have become new are of Christ, who have reconciled us to himself by of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and has given unto us the what? The ministry of reconciliation. So say I have a ministry of reconciliation. Right, so when I say that you're a minister of the gospel, I don't mean necessarily that you're a pastor. I don't mean necessarily that you are someone who holds the mic in church. I just mean you're a believer and you've been given the mandate to preach the gospel. Does that make sense, guys? All right. And so Paul is speaking to Timothy here in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 3. And then, and then he gives him an instruction. He says, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So there's a perspective towards ministry where the man in Christ recognizes that he's a soldier. Are we together? A soldier, you're not a, you're not a civilian. You know, there's a way a civilian can do, but a soldier can't do that. And what are the things that, that soldiers are known for? They are known for their training. Do you understand me? You know, when you see a soldier, it doesn't matter what his size is like. When you see someone who wears that camel, automatically what comes to your head is that this man is trained. Are you with me? You might not actually see it in his body, but you know, if this one should handle someone, <laughs> just as I'm going. If you want to handle someone, it's going to do to the person or the person wishes they never see. All right? Why is that? Because, you see, with that particular uniform comes a certain kind of training. Do you understand me? And so as a minister of the gospel, there's a training that is expected that you have. Are you with me? And one of the trainings is what we are having now, training of long hours of teaching. Are you with me? It's not palatable. I know. Do you get me? Let's not lie. Let's not lie. Let's not play. I would rather be sleeping by this time. Oh, sorry, let's not lie, let's not steal. Like, like by, on a Saturday, okay, maybe outreach. But if not outreach, sleeping. I say, ah, amen. Hallelujah. Give that good sleep to you. See, that's one thing I know God has handed over to me like this. Do you understand? Alongside the oil on my head to teach, He also gave me the oil for sleeping. Ah, yes. glory to Jesus. When it's not like I owe somebody money, why would I sleep? You know, I always say, you know, a few of people who say that they have insomnia. In some words, they ruin me. That, that's going to be a lot of problems with the way I walk and the way I, how busy I am. I don't want to sleep. I'm not be able to sleep immediately. It's a problem. So people like us, you know, once we lay down in bed, if 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 I don't watch it, I will sleep faster than you know. Like, <laughs> like like I go a plan that oh, in five minutes time I'll sleep. As I put my head, ah, it has gone. Amen. It's an insomnia. I mean, how many hours? I mean, the small amount of hours I have to sleep, I know I'm so many on top. It's not me. It's not me. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. So that's, 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 that's simply what it is. All right. So you are, you are supposed to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So he tells you to endure hardness. Mean hardness will come. Mean hardness is part of the work of ministry. Hardness. Yes, Agnes. Not Agnes. Agnes. I know that there is a sign, sign like Agnes, all right? Not Agnes, not Agnes, Agnes. 
Are we together? All right. Now, also, notice this is a hardship. Okay. Um, there are some there are some kind of something that is not necessary. Like, did you guess? Like, I don't. I always make a joke, my friend. I always say that, I always say that the gospel is already hard enough. Let's not have our own. You know, you know, there are some things that is suffering for the gospel. There are some other things that I just broke. Do you get me? Like, let's not do you get like it's between both of us, but you get my point. <laughs> like, no, this is not suffering for the sake of the gospel. Like, for example, now, you know, you know, you don't have rent money. That's not hard. That's not suffering for the gospel. You just don't have money, bro. <laughs> do you get me? Do you understand me? So, like, for example, the another example is this: you can either take Okada, all right, or you can take the limousine, all right, to the place where you will do outreach. I hope you know that it's not a problem. It's your car. Amen. If you decide to drive in limousine to where you want to go and do outreach, and you come down and preach the gospel, the gospel is sharp. Preach. Uh, amen. So because some people think that you know, the more you like, the 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 less money you have when you do the things of God, the more you know, like ah, in penury. <laughs> that's not that's not me. Like to be, now, here's the thing. That now, let me explain. If I didn't have money, I would still do it. You know, there's something I always tell people. Like they say, oh, all is vanity. I hope you know poverty is vanity too. Do you know? You know, I say, ah, this is vanity. All this thing is vanity. Poverty is also vanity. So decide which vanity you want. Because, I mean, whether poverty or riches, it's when in this world. Do you realize? You know, <laughs> heaven is a leveler. <laughs> do you understand? Whether, do you understand? Whether you're a rich man or you're a poor man, never will have the same. Do you understand my point? It's only in this world that a distinction in terms of riches. Oh, riches is, uh, is uh, vanity. Poverty is also vanity. Both of them end in this world. Do you understand? So choose the vanity you want. Just on my point. Are we together? As it's you know, there are things I've been saying since when I was on campus. I've been saying it now, it's not going to change. Since when I was on campus, I'm going to live a good life. Do you understand? I'm going to live well. Like I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not the the last thing I would think about is that where we food for today come from. No, I there are more important things to do. Imagine is when you think that it will be easy to focus on someone when I'm thinking where food come from. Amen. Is the honest truth. Now, there's the point. Thing. If food doesn't come, I'll still do it too. But I'd rather do it when there's food. Are we together? Let me know that I'm fasting. That is not like as though you know, it's not fasting or there's no food. So let's go convert it to fasting. It's not really glorified God, right? <laughs> you know, you know, but when you know you see, there's a kind of fasting that is not fasting because you have self-control, it's just fasting because when you don't have a choice. Do you understand? But when like fasting is out of self-control, do you understand me? Like as you're entering the fridge, you can see things, you know, you decide to close it. Now that is you are building something in yourself. But when you open the fridge and there's not there's no even fridge. <laughs> Please, I hope you know that part of this thing that I'm saying is joke. <laughs> so I was that. Ah, that man. No, please. <laughs> please. All right. So 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 the reality of it is I'm I'm going to live a good life. All right, I'm going to live a good life. How am I going to have a good life? My needs are always going to be met. All right, I'm going to have a wonderful family. All right, um, I'm going to have a wonderful wife. I'm going, I'm going to have beautiful kids and beautiful children. Um, I'm going to raise a good family. All right, I'm going to have a good life. You know, I'm going to have a strong heritage of God's work. You know, you know among the things that I get excited about my future, there's not, there are a few things that get me more excited about the fact that I will raise my children in the way of the Lord. You see, there are certain things I see in my parents and me, and we do it among children. For example, I wake up my children for morning devotion. I'm anticipating it. I can't wait. Just as I pray. Listen to me. The same way my mommy did like this for me. That's what brought me here. Amen. I will do for my own children too. And then today we complain for the next generation. And then today we do their own. 
Yeah. <laughs> we keep carrying me like that from Jerusalem. You know, there's, no, there's no problem. I had to do those carries. I just come in. That's it. Do you get me? Raise my, raise my kids in the way of the Lord. You understand? The ones among them that will not be, that will not be pastors will be preachers. Do you get like is is just okay? Maybe you don't pastor it. You can't. I can't raise you up. You will not be a preacher. You, I give that to you. You won't preach the gospel. You know. Let me say something. You know, there's one argument. I mean, I don't consider this thing. God call you. He's gonna call you. As I know that if you are giving that to in their house, God will call you. <laughs> is it, God, just that. You know, I was there, there's, a particular, there's a particular family. There's another family today. I help you know, for example, a family of Charles Wesley. All of them are all of them are ministers. I mean, all. All. That's even too far. I don't know how I I was shocked. So I, I I knew about his brother, his younger brother. Is it is it from now? But is yeah, he one now? I knew about his younger. Yeah, Pastor Exactly. I knew about his younger brother. He has another brother too, who is also a pastor. The three of them are pastors, and it's not the same church. Just my point. They have their own assemblies, and they are not small churches. I was just imagine that. Just imagine that mother that gave us to this place. Just, just waking up in the morning, and you're just looking at your children. Ah, this is life. I got it right. How do you have three children like this? And all of them are pastors. All of them are pastors of pastors. Amen? That's life. Yes, I mean, it's not this thing. You know, there's this joke that we always make. You know, I will not decide the career that my child will do. You just decide between football and basketball. <laughs> you know, me too. I'm not gonna. You know, you say you know. You have, I hear people say all manner of ridiculous things. Don't force religion on your children. What should I not force on them? Do you understand? I should be telling a four-year-old that you see, you have the freedom to decide what you. you can you hear yourself? You have the freedom to. Decide. It doesn't make any sense. Why not just leave them naked and give them the freedom to decide they don't wear clothes? It doesn't like we say. There's no that when we say it's called gather talk. Force the children, force the religion on the child. You know, the thing is, you need to understand. I would always say things like there was a point in my life where I had to decide, you know, I was going to follow God and so on and so forth. Listen to me. I never really had a choice. <laughs> do, do you know do you know who raised me? <laughs> do you know my mom? Ah, uh, because you don't know my mom. If you know my mother, you have known uh, my face was already sealed. <laughs> do you get it? Like my face for no serious, for as long as I can you don't get for as long as I can remember, one of the most vivid memories I can remember was when my mom sat me down like this, right? My mom sat me down in the living room. And then we used to do this um, Bible quoting memory verse, I know. And my mom would sit us down like this. And oh yeah, Romans 3.23. Yeah, Romans 6.23. Yeah. And then we quote like that. Quote like, so now you see me quoting today. You think it's Bible that I'm not reading today. No, that's not it. Though. From when I was like six, seven, and nobody ever beat me in it. You want to beat Israel this way? Uh, did not you away. Are you kidding? I'm I, 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 I trying to tell someone one at some point. My mother. So now you're now wondering. So now, how does someone, how do you raise a child like that? And you say it doesn't end up a preacher. There's, there's some words that they set us up for God. You get, they, they didn't give us, they didn't give us much opportunity to look to the left or to the right. Do you understand me? First time I thought in the bus was maybe when I was 10 years old that I laid hand on a woman that, that needed kids and she, and she got the fruit of the womb. Maybe 10. I can remember very clearly I was on my way to camp. And you know, when you go to camp, people will preach the bus. Every, and I've been saying this that I was going to preach one day. So one day, you know, we had left from it. Maybe you showed you or something. 
Nobody was preaching at all. We just looked down, say preach. Like joke, like joke. You know, I was like, you know, I was like, you know, yeah, do you know what I, do you know what you're telling me to do? Say, preach, don't. I said, praise the Lord. So I want to talk to you very shortly. You know, when you first see one tiny boy, just and I say, pray the Lord, the boss. You understand my point? Who is this one? I preach. I can remember very vividly that I preached from around Bega Tiumuwe. I, I, it was just coming. Everybody listened to me. To, I remember very clearly. If I, I, we left, we came down from the bus. Somebody bought banana from me. <laughs> the woman bought banana from me. Like, ah, I'm not getting something like this. And then there was this woman. I remember very clearly. Waiting upon, waiting upon um, God for the foot of the womb. Told us to pray for her. Laid hands on her. Prayed for her. I think about three or four months after she was pregnant, she came to find us on camp at the age of 10. Now, if I have been praying for someone who is put on at the age of 10, so do you really think I had a choice whether or not? So now imagine, and I'm wondering, God called me. <laughs> so, what? So, that's when I of So, when, for example, you know, I, I said, when you know, God lived on my heart to be traveling to Egypt for meetings. And my mom was doing so much. So I was just looking at her and laughing. You caused it. <laughs> do you get like you didn't just like you're the one that made me this way. Do, do you get it? Right? Mom, another very interesting experience. We're staying in around Songwater, Aladalu, right? My mom then was here attending church at Bagada. Anybody who knows the difference then, who knows the difference in distance? We're staying in Alakuko. My mom was attending church in Bagada. That is Maranata in Bagada. That's very big Maranata. Guess what? My mom was never late for workers meeting. I said, workers meeting was 7 a.m. So meaning that we wake up as early as 4.35. That, how old were we? Three children. Just uh, our last born was still Shanko. Just uh, no, no car, by the way. So it was public transport. And we would get to church before 7. Now, we don't get, now, when, so now, so you now, you now see me now. I'm staying in Florida. My church is in Yaba. You're not thinking it's a big deal. I was junior, like I don't see why you took it an issue. Do you understand? Like I don't, I don't like I don't see. I don't see. So that's why the reason I can't listen to me. Oh, the reason I cannot come to church because it's far. As long as it's that same state, I'll get there. Like now, I don't try to impose it on people. You, you are not trained that way. You're not brought up that way. I get it. It's fine. But for me, I, I do understand. Like you just, you just give us that's church. Oh, it's far. Okay, no, that means I wake up earlier. It's like that. You don't. It's not. Oh, church is far. Let me look for another church. Mm-mm. Church is far. Oh, that just means I wake up earlier. That's it. It was never. Lit. In fact, when my dad asked to force us, I say, okay, find a church that's close by. That's reading. My dad reading close by. It's okay, no problem. That's it. Are we together? So that that's where some of us learned hardness. Do you get me? And that's why it was easy for you know for certain certain um, certain persons among us. When you come from that kind of setting. And then you now hear six hours prayer. The first and second one can be had. But, but we are not starting from zero, ground zero. Do you get me? When you hear long hours of teaching, okay, it might be tough initially. But I've been cramming Z, Bible Z. You know that Z now, redeem children, this is it. When they come in for quiz, do you get So sitting down in front of Bible for hours. <laughs> it's not today. <laughs> do you understand me? So that's it. So those are legacies we look forward to, to give our kids. Are you with me? Like legacies to look what to give our kids. And I've said it before, I've said it jokingly, and you know me when I say this jokingly, it's a prophecy. <laughs> I'm saying it with style, it's going to happen. I've, you know, these children's summer break, all those summer break, we'll use it for them. Uh, we'll use their summer break for them. Do you understand? Particularly, you know, the one I'm targeting particularly is all those breaks between primary five, that August to September, particularly between primary five and GSS one. GSS three, particularly GSS three and university. 
You see that time? My joke would sit down. My coin word be. Just uh, by the time I enter school, the only thing I just remind is the gospel. Mission, mission. Just you, everybody, all your classmates, all the same is disciple, 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 disciple. You know, just that. So there's some kind of conversations we never get. Don't go to night club. I'm sure there's certain things that were not temptations to me on campus. I'm sure you know. In fact, I was telling someone that when I left school, that I realized, ah, come like there are a lot of things that I didn't experience on this campus too. Do you understand me? Because and to be honest, it was never like you know some people is even though it's a temptation and I say, Oh, I'm not doing it. It didn't occur to me that people were doing this. Do you get it? It didn't occur to me. No, I don't know. I went to you. Just but it never occurred to me at all. Okay, we're gonna machine. Because what are you doing here? He's not, he's not church, he's not class, he's no state. <laughs> Did you guess? Where are we going? I don't even, even this is God, God will help me. Just that, me. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. I said, all right, so those are legacies to look forward to, right? Raise men in God's word, ministers of the gospel. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. So I was saying before that, therefore, the minister of the gospel is supposed to be what? Hard. Glory to Jesus. You're supposed to be trained. Solid. So you train yourself, you know, as long, as much as I receive you train, you also train yourself. There are things you should learn to do. All right. If you've been praying one hour before, push it small. Amen. You've been saying for a while now. Push the case small. Even if it's one hour, 15 minutes. You just have one hour, 15 minutes. Two hours. You say you've been a believer for this long. You've not done any four hours prayer before. You've not done any six hours prayer before. You understand me? Yeah, the one that you say that I don't see that prayer, you miss the first two hours. So that you know you'll be able to handle so you'll be able to handle the remaining. <laughs> do better. <laughs> you know, do better. Alright, do better. Okay. Oh, by the way, there is a conference is happening in August. So but it's basically happening if everybody went. So so yeah. Um altogether this is like we've done about 14 hours altogether. Three sessions, four, six, four. So yeah, that's that's just by the way. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. All right. Uh, look at somebody to the and verse 15. And this is where I will run my introduction and then we get straight into it. Second verse 15. It says, Study to show yourself approved also God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, the word study there is the Greek word spodazo. <clears throat> it's the Greek word spodazo. Interestingly, is a word that means to be diligent. It's a word that means to be diligent. So, what we're referring to here is not just as far study. It's actually the diligence to show yourself the of God. So it's a diligence that involves study. It's a diligence that also involves what you do even after you study. Are, you, are we together? So, for example, spodazo is not just, oh, I'm studying the word. Spodazo is that I meditate upon God's word. Are we together? Spodazo is that I'm intentional about working in the word. Does that make sense, guys? All right, so it says, you know, be diligent to show yourself approved unto God. It says a workman that needs not to be ashamed. Now, I like the word workman used here. The word workman there is a Greek word, egatis. E-R-G-A-T-E-S. E-R-G-A-T-E-S. Egatis. Hopefully you can see that. I think the magazine is going to start funny. All right? <clears throat> egatis. And it means a paid laborer. And I, I like the way that word is used because it gives you a, a perspective towards the study of God's word, or towards diligence in God's word. That you're supposed to have a perspective. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You, you have revelation in God's word. Right. So, now, the, I like the word workman there because it's a word that gives you a perspective towards the study of God's word. 
It tells you that you're supposed to approach the world like you are paid to do it. Are we together? You know, if you've ever, if, you know, there are some, if you, if you ever get a job that, you know, there's kind of jobs that when you look at the salary, you know, like, you're not sure. It seems like maybe they're joking. Until they pay the first, pay the first time. Uh, if you've not experienced it, you experience it in Jesus' name. You know, there's some kind of salary that you receive first. You just look at the phone. You first drop. You just, you know, I, remember, I was talking, I was talking to someone a while ago, and I said, I said that if I ever earn this kind of money, I said the first thing I would do, I would just enter the bathroom, I'll turn shower, and I'll just sit down. <laughs> See, I just, I just want it to just wash property away from my body. <laughs> I was just like, I'm not like, I'm not in that class anymore. Just, just if you don't mind, just let me wash this property away. That's like the status has changed. So now, so you know that kind of money. That when you see it, you know now, you know, <laughs> in that kind of job, the way you work, do it. Yes, <laughs> you know, like the way, the, the way you approach the job. Just my point. Now that's exactly what it's talking about. Just I mean. So, like, imagine that you were being paid to study the Bible. Imagine if it was the best paid job ever. Imagine the major could see. Just that, the way you would pay attention to every little detail. You check one word in the Hebrew. You check it in the Greek. You look at the usage in other places. You sit down, you reason. Ah, you go back again. He says, that is your mindset in terms of diligence with scripture. Are you with me? You have to be diligent that way. He says, a work man that needs not to be ashamed. He says, rightly dividing the work of truth. Now, that he uses the word rightly dividing there, lets you know there is a wrong dividing of the word of truth. Are we together? But it tells, it tells you to rightly divide the word of truth. Now, the word rightly divide there is the Greek word autotomio. <clears throat> Let me see. Or so so Autotomio. Now the word used for autotomio here, all right, is a word that well, I think I'm just gonna stop using this one. I'll just, I'll just black now. All right. It's a word that implies just to give you what it means. It means to cut through a rock till you get to the end. Now the word was a word that was, that was usually used for miners. Now, you know, when a miner wants to try to get gold out of a rock. I will together. So he cuts the rock finally so that he can get, you know, the gold, you know, um, particles from the rock, you understand me, and then make it into whatever it is he wants. So when when he says rightly divide the word of truth, he's telling you there is an approach you have to which you skillfully go through God's word so you can get out, you know, that precious thing you're looking for. Do you understand me? So you, it's a surgical approach to God's word. Are you with me? It's surgical, it's a surgical approach to God's word. You know, you pay attention. You pay attention to the usage of words. How is this word used here? How was it used here? What does this mean? You think. You see, if Bible study has not made you, let me, if one way you know that you're on the right path is there'll be points where you will study your Bible to an extent, you will close it and walk away. You get, you, are, you will close that. What is this? The first time I encountered it was when I was preparing for KBC last year. I took a walk. If the Yoruba man takes a walk, you know, there's a problem. I took a the first time ever in my life. I just, I cannot forget. The stuff scattered my head. I just closed it, dropped it, and I just, I, you know, I just stood up. I didn't even think so. I just stood up, with my trousers, with my shirt, walked out. <laughs> walked to the estates, walked down, came back, walked down. As I came back inside, I entered the chair again. I opened it. <laughs> what I want to do, there's no place we are going to. With you are the words of eternal life. <laughs> when, you know, when Jesus, when you know, when Jesus is Jesus, when he thought, and everybody left him, five thousand left him in a day. You know, and just you know, Jesus is so hilarious to be honest. After he very told people that they should leave all that they have and follow you, you now look at them and say, Ah, will you not go? Where should they go? 
Where should they go? When you already told the man that was a fisherman, you say you don't business, that you're making future of men. Then, next thing now, when everybody's not going, you now look at him and say, won't you go? Where should he go to? Do we? Like I said, where can we go? Which are the words of eternal life. Because we have no more. There's no other place to go to. So that's it. You don't have to do what. Hallelujah. Yes, that's it. You don't. It's a scholarly approach to the study of God's word. Right? So it says, rightly dividing the word of truth. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. And that's the reason for meetings like this. You know, meetings like this. And let me see. KBC is not just a place for, to, to give you answers to questions. KBC is a place to train you on how to sit down and, and answer questions yourself. Are you with me? That's it. It's not, I promise you, this is just six hours. You can't answer. I can't have all the answers to your questions. I can't. It's not possible. First of all, because I don't even have it. Do you get? Are we together, guys? But also because the ones I have, I can't teach everything in finish in six hours. I can't teach everything in 14 hours. That's for sure. Are we together? But however, I can teach you how I got to that point, just so that you can also find answers for yourself. And also because, I mean, the point of view is that you also can now begin to have meetings like that with other people. Are you with me? Glory to Jesus. I mean, this, I wasn't born this week. Somebody, I had the first time in a longer meeting. You understand me? And then the second time, and then the third time. I went together, and then I was trained enough to do this. I went together, guys. Glory to Jesus. All right, so let's just get into you know um, the next outline for this teaching. What makes no? What is the gospel? What makes the gospel important here? What is the gospel? So we are starting now. <laughs> All right. What is the gospel? Now I know that of course. I mean, when you hear what is the gospel, the word men among us you just say, oh, the gospel is the dead, the parents, resurrection. This is, you know, that's the gospel. No. Well, well, is that really what the gospel is? Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter four and verse twenty-three. The gospel is death, the parents, resurrection, Jesus. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. Now, you're not entirely wrong, but let's see what the Bible says. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23. It says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the what? The what? The gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Now, quick question. If the gospel is the death, the parents, resurrection of Jesus here, how come Jesus was already preaching this before he died? Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. So when I say, ah, what is the gospel? I do not agree with you. I'm only saying, I'm only saying, if that's the gospel, how come he was preaching it here? All right, we're still going to get to why, why it was, why you know, he said this here. Also, we have to to Matthew chapter 11 from verse 4 to verse 5. Matthew 11 from verse 4 to verse 5. Matthew chapter 11 from verse 4 to verse 5. Are we there? Are we there? All right, so it's Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed. All right, the lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. Are we together, guys? He says, so this was, just to give you context, the background context to this, John the Baptist was in prison, you know, interesting story. All right, but he was in prison. And while he was in prison, you know, you know, he noticed that you know, you know he asked his disciples, How far is Jesus doing this outside for me? Say he's not. Has he has he forgotten that I'm his cousin? Say it looks like it. So you mean that he's not doing any campaign? He's not doing justice for John. <laughs> so it's like J for J. He's not doing J for J. Okay, you know what? In fact, say, come, go and meet him and ask him questions. How far? Are you the Christ or show us with another? Are you going to do good for others or not? Okay, for yourself. 
understand? No, no, no. Okay, you know, Jesus is always teaching. So most chances I don't have met him normally. So Jesus was teaching initially when they came as part. They are John's disciples. They'll give them, you know, front row seats. Just an appointment protocol. So they have to sit down. I'm just waiting for Jesus to finish the sermon. After Jesus is done with the Thank you, sir. I was so blessed. You know, every, because everybody is always so blessed. Anyways, <laughs> but, sir, I was so blessed. I was edified. You know, so on and so forth. Then, you know, now I say, okay, so what? Says, sir, John about to send us to him. Says, sir, are you the Christ? Should we expect another? Jesus now responds. And we're going to look into this place very soon because there's something about this verse that is a bit interesting. Jesus that we always responds to things with scripture. Are we together? For example, when he was tempted you know, the devil in Matthew 4, right? When the devil in Matthew 4, when the devil said, if you are the son of God, turn this stone to bread, he responded with what? With the scripture. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Are we together? That's one. Again, the, devil's, um, the devil took him to a high mountain and says, was it? No, the pinnacle of the temple and says, jump down. And then he quoted the gift from the scripture. This is written, that shall not tempt the Lord your God. Are we together? And then lastly, he takes him to a mountain and shows him all the glories of the world. He says, bow down to me and I'll give you all these things. And he says, get you behind me, devil. You know, you shall only worship the Lord your God. Are we together? So in those three occasions, he responds with scripture. In Luke 24, when he rose from the dead, I met two men on the road to Emmaus. All right? And they were sad. And, you know, when he asked them what the issue was, and the issue was because they did not believe that Jesus was risen. What happened? He didn't say, share my name, I'm dad, okay. You mean, despite how long I was doing, I was teaching you. Small issue, I hear you are not serious. I expected better from you. That's what he did. He says, oh, fools are slow. <laughs> to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory. To me, his response to their unbelief was what? Teaching from scriptures. Does that make sense, guys? So now, you will now understand why this is weird. That verse, Hebrews, I'm sorry, Matthew 11, verse 5. All right? He says, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. It almost sounds like Jesus was responding to them based on experiences. Are we together? And if you understand, as, we, as I've shown you already, Jesus' method of response, this is not normal. Jesus would normally respond with a scripture. Are we together? We're going to get there very soon. We'll look at it very soon. But then, notice that, um, okay, what was I? So now he says, the poor have the gospel preached unto them. If at this point then Jesus Christ had not yet died, what was the gospel that was preached unto them? Are we together? Do you understand me? Let's continue. Look at Mark 14 and verse 9. Mark 14 and verse 9. Mark 14 and verse 9. Glory to God. Glory to Jesus. Mark 14 and verse 9. He says, Very excellent to you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she has done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. Hallelujah. And what happened here was this was the woman with the alabaster box who had broke, broken it on Jesus' feet and had used her hair to wipe his feet. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so, you know, you know, all manner of stuff were said about her. And Jesus said, no, I mean, what she, what she did is not wrong, all right? It's, it's, she's doing it in honor and in love of me. And so he says, wherever this gospel is preached, it will be preached in, so she will always be a part of what she has done, will always be mentioned together with it. Just as I've said before, if the gospel is strictly death, burial, resurrection, what gospel would he have been referring to? He has seen that he had not yet died. Are we together? We're still going to get to it very soon. All right, so let's continue. So that would mean, all right, okay, last but not least, Luke chapter 9 and verse 6, Luke 9 and verse 6, 
Um, I'm just going to read this quickly. It says, and he departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Hallelujah. Preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. So, as I said before, what gospel were they preaching? Seeing as Jesus had not yet died. Hallelujah. So, let's continue. So, now, when we speak about the gospel, now, the word gospel is the Greek word euangelion. Euangelion. And the word itself means good tidings or good news. All right? Euangelion means good tidings or good news. It's from two words. EU, that's EU. I'm sorry. It's from two words. Let me clean this. It's from EU, oh, beautiful, and Agelo. EU means news or good news. And Agelo means a messenger or an angel. Right? So, you, you, so, you are Jelion is the word. From EU, Agelo. Right. Euangelion means good news or good, good tidings, but to make it, to make you understand it better, EU, right, or EU means good news, and Adelo means messenger angel. So Euangelion really means good news or good tidings in the mouth of one who is sent. Are we together, guys? In the mouth of one who is sent, all right? So that's simply what it means. Okay, so now, so when we speak of the gospel, so what we call the Debian resurrection is actually a more, to put it in a better light, it would be when we refer to the gospel by which we are saved. The, I'm going to explain why, hopefully, if we have time in, before the meeting ends or in later. When we talk about the Debian resurrection, we're talking about the gospel by which we are saved. The gospel of our salvation, all right, is what we refer to as the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15, from verse 1 to verse 8. It's a bit of a long read. 1 Corinthians 15. From verse 1 to verse 8. First question number 15 from verse 1 to verse 8. All right, so it says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand. Pay attention to that. Please back to this one. Back to this one. It says, Which also you have received and wherein you stand. So the gospel is not just the gospel that you receive to be saved, it's a gospel wherein you stand. Hallelujah. You know, because you hear people say things like, oh, you know, you preach the gospel to get some people saved, then you teach them the word, you know, to get them to grow their spiritually. When you go you understand? You preach the gospel to get a man saved, you teach the gospel to get him grounded. In reality, preach and teach are the same. The word preach and teach are the same. The word preach is the Greek word caruso, which means to announce, all right? Basically, you've been wondering what caruso means, all right? It means to announce, all right? It means to announce. And then the word teach is the word, you know, you, know, you can use the word didasco, all right, to actually teach people. You understand? But in both cases, you are announcing both ways. If you are announcing, you are teaching people. If you are teaching people, you are announcing. Amen. So doesn't there's no you know this morning, I'm not teaching, I'm preaching. There's no this thing. Both of them, both of them are the same thing. All right. There's no need to form this thing. All right. So it says it is a message by which um, you are which are received and wherein you stand. Now move on, verse, verse 2. It says, by which also you are saved. Now, this is a very interesting clause. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. Now, if you have been honest, the way this verse looks like is that you are saved if you keep in memory. Are you together? 
So you are saved for as long as you keep in memory what I preach to you, unless you have believed in vain. So if you don't keep it in memory, guess what? You are no longer saved. <laughs> What's that question? <laughs> Calm down. Relax. Relax. Right? So, so he, that's what it looks like in verse 2 here. That if you do not keep in memory what, you are, what has been preached unto you, then you have lived in vain. Is that what he's saying? Let's see. Verse 3. Verse 3. Is, um, uh, Wondering. I give unto you first of all that which I also received. How the Christ did what? Die for our sins according to. Is it according to what we saw? Is it according to our experiences? Is it Christ died for our sins in front of all of you? Is that what he said? No. What did he say? Christ died for our sins according to what? Verse 4. And that he was what? Buried. And that he did what? He rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Now verse 5. Verse 5. And and as it was seen of Cephas, that's Peter, then of the twelve, now continue, and after that it was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain, after this present, but some are falling asleep, verse 7, verse 7, after that it was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and then verse 8, and last of all it was seen of me also, that's Paul, as one born out of the time. Now I'm going to explain, that's, that's definitely effect, actually. When we get into the story matter of New Testament apologetics, I'm going to explain why it was important for him to add the people who saw Jesus upon the resurrection. Are we together? Because it's actually one of the arguments for the validity of the resurrection. Are we together, guys? Right? One of the um, evidences for the validity of the resurrection is that when Jesus rose from the earth, people saw him. Do you get me? It's important that he didn't just rise in the backyard and go. Do you understand me? We saw him. And that's the reason why when you know, you, you would always see, um, you know, for example, in, I think, that second Peter 1 and 16, right, even though that's primarily talking about transfiguration, you see how the, the, the way they spoke that sounded like, we saw this thing, but listen to me, let's pay attention to scriptures. Are we together? So second Peter 1 and 16, for example, it says, for we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you will do well to take it. Are we together? As long as we lie, that's in the dark place. But when he started that portion of scripture, he actually said that we have not um, followed only device tables. All right. When we spoke to you of the testimony about God, for we eyewitnesses of his majesty, meaning we saw it with our own eyes. Are we together, guys? Do you understand me? Meaning these things that we are telling you, we saw it. We were there with him. But listen to even though we were there, sorry, even though we were there with him and we experienced it, still pay attention to the prophetic words. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? And so that's the reason. Let me say something. You know, something that we always say that doctrine above experiences are we together doctrine god's word above experiences it doesn't matter what ex, what your experience is you must always subject your experience to the lordship of the doctrine of god's word does that make sense guys but let me say something you know that phrase we always use it when the experience is what's the word now we always use it when the experience is not in alignment with the word but listen to me even when your experience is consistent with god's it is still doctrine above your experience are you with me? So it is doctrine above experience whether or not your experience is consistent with the word. Does that make sense, guys? Are you with me? So, for example, if I pray for the sick and the sick gets, if I pray for the sick and the sick does not get healed, I still emphasize God's word and say, no, God's word says I'll pray for the sick and the sick will be healed. But guess what? If I pray for the sick and the sick is healed, the efficacy that what God's word said is true is not that the sick was healed, it's that God's word said it. Are you with me? Exactly. So, my faith in God's word is not results based, it's in the fact that God's word says so. 
Do you understand me? And so at the end of the day, my, my faith is not a function of results. It's a function of God's word. So it doesn't change. Because results change. Sometimes sometimes it's not, sometimes it's not always 100%. Are we together? Sometimes, you know, you pray for the sick, the sick isn't healed. And so if your faith is a function of results, in that scenario, you know, your faith is dashed. Are we together? When you build your faith on the strength and integrity of God's word, guess what? It never changes. Why? Because God's word never changes. Are we together, guys? Does that make sense? Beautiful. Beautiful. All right. So, as we were saying, so what was he saying when he said that? Um, in when, when he says that, that was verse 4. I think that was verse, is it verse 4? Verse 3. Verse 3. Uh, okay, verse 2. Sorry, verse 2. Thank you very much. Verse 2. He says, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in it. Now, I'm going to say two things about this, actually. First of all, is this. You see, in a bit to emphasize the in a bit to emphasize how much the how much the salvation of a man is a function of grace through faith, we may have pushed our understanding of faith into the corridors of mental ascent. And I explain what I'm saying. You see, in a bit to say a man is only saved by grace, is not justified by works, which is true. We can push that ideology to the point where people don't understand that. Faith is faith because there is works. And I'm going to explain what I'm saying very soon. You cannot say you genuinely believe in anything that doesn't cause an expression of faith in you. Faith will always lead to an expression. Are we together? Are you with me? Let me give you a very good example. I want to give you a very good example between mental assent and faith. Mental assent is I accept, no, mental assent is I agree with this thing. Faith is, I believe in it enough for it to elicit an action. A very good example from natural things. I already used an example before. God's power can heal. Mental assent, I agree that God's power can heal. I woke up in the morning, ah, I don't feel so good. My first response, where is the malaria pill? Doesn't change the fact that I agree that God can heal. But I accept it in my head. I don't necessarily believe in it. Are we together, guys? The problem is that because of the way we use the word believe, we just think believe is to accept it in your mind. Whereas in reality, believe is, I believe this thing enough that when push comes to shove, it causes me to act a certain way. Are you with me? Does that make sense, guys? Exactly. So, but, so now, another person who wakes up in the morning and feels headache, and the first thing he says is, oh, I'm healed in my body. The power of God is working in my body from the crown of my head to the sole of my feet. What is the difference between the both of them? It's not that the both of them don't agree that the power of God can heal. The difference between the both of them is that one of them believes in it enough for it to cause a response in him. Are you with me? Does that make sense, guys? Exactly. So, one thing about faith is this, is that, you need to understand, when we say that, if a man, for a man to believe, right, that Jesus Christ died, was buried and rose again for his sins, there are three things. So there are two things primarily that that causes to the man. First of all is that immediately the man understands the gravity of sin. That it took God coming as a man to die. Are you with me? The man immediately understands that sin is not a small thing. Are you with me? And then number two is the person then understands the lordship of Jesus. You might you say, Jesus Christ died for you, was buried and rose again. All right, for his sins. First of all, you understand, somebody has to die for sin. So clearly sin is not a small matter. Do you understand me? Number two, it makes him understand as a reason of that, now that you know I believe in the Lord Jesus, there is a certain way I'm supposed to act. Are you with me? 
the method of salvation comes with the responsibility. It changes. So you need to understand when we say that. So when we tell people, when we preach the gospel to people, all right, anybody who truly believes in what you just preach to them, that is not that they just said, I agree. Also, they just say, Oh, I believe. You understand? If they believe in the fact that Jesus Christ died for them, it's not, you don't have to tell the person there's no things that he must not do again. He places a responsibility on the person. So a lot of times it's very possible that what we try to make people do, because this is the thing also, you can't make someone believe, do you know? Amen. You can't make some, you can convince a person, but they still have the responsibility to believe. So that's that you tell them, say I believe, and they say I believe, doesn't mean they believe. Are you with me? And so we can we can in a bit stretch how much of salvation is by grace through faith, which is true. All right, in that light, we can stretch the corridors of faith into mental assets. And we can stretch faith into the corridors of mental assets, where what we are not talking about is just assent in our heads, not necessarily faith in our hearts. So that makes sense, guys. Are we together? Because you need to understand. <laughs> okay, now I will explain why that is important here. In the Corinthian church, there was a um there's a particular doctrine that was becoming popular, which was the doctrine of um, Gnosticism, all right? And the doctrine was simply this, that there is no such thing as the resurrection of the dead. Are we together, guys? You see this from, um, I think, from verse, let me see, from verse, uh, from verse 12 to verse 17. It was, you know, people are saying there's no resurrection from the dead. And so Paul comes here, and then he says, ah, Hey, Rokini, from verse 12 to verse 17. He says, Rokini, because let me explain something. He says, if you say that there is no resurrection from the dead, he says, then Christ cannot be raised from the dead. He says, if Christ is not raised from the dead, then your faith is vain, and you are still in your sins. Are we together, guys? That was the context. So, you know, you understand why he was emphasizing the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15. That you, you understand why he was saying, after Jesus rose, this person saw him. This person saw him. This person saw him. This person saw him. The reason he was doing that was so that you understand that Jesus actually rose. So if Jesus rose, then there is definitely such a thing as a resurrection from the dead. Are we together? And if there is a resurrection from the dead, then there is a resurrection for us when we are dead. Does that make sense, guys? And that shows that this doctrine is false. Do you understand me? So that's that's the context of First Corinthians 15. Are you with me? But now notice why he now says, which which you will keep in memory, unless you have believed in vain. Because first of all. To believe in vain according to scripture, according to that context, clearly, is to believe that Christ was not raised from dead. Are we together? Let's let's look at it so that it makes sense. Look at first Corinthians 15 and verse uh go on time. Verse 14. Go to verse 14. We're going to rush through. Yes, now if Christ would preach that he rose from the dead, how say some of you that there's no resurrection from the dead? All right, verse uh, this is verse 12 now. He says, if Christ be not risen, then is our what? Preaching what? And your faith is also what? So what does it mean for a man to believe in vain? It means he believes that Jesus did not what? Rise. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? He believes that Jesus, because he says, if Christ is not risen, all right, then your, our preaching is vain and your faith is also vain. Do you understand me? So to, for a man's faith to be vain, all right, it just means that the man does not believe that Jesus is risen from the dead. Are we together, guys? Does that make sense, guys? Beautiful. So now, back to First Corinthians 15 and verse 2. He says, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory. Now, this is what's going to help you. The word keep there, let me look at where I have it in my notes. The word to keep 
is the Greek word. Uh, yeah, is the Greek word kateko, K-A-C-E-C-H-O. It is one that means to hold fast, to bind, or to arrest. <laughs> Uh, it's like it's like you know when you say to hold something to your chest. Are we together? That's what it means. Why did he use the word keep here? Because in this context, there were people who were teaching falsely in the church. Are you with me? So he's saying you have to hold on to your conviction. If not, you will believe in vain. Which is the vanity there? What's the vanity there? The fact that people were teaching that Jesus was not raised from the dead. Does that make sense, guys? So he's saying if you believe that Jesus is not raised from the dead, then your faith is in vain. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? Well, the point of what I'm trying to say is this. Can you now see how by you believing that Jesus is raised from the dead, it puts a responsibility on you to think a certain way? Are you with me, guys? Do you understand? It's not just accept it in your head. No, that's not it. It is by you believing that Jesus is raised from the dead, there is a responsibility for you to stand against any ideology that says that Jesus was not raised from the dead. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? Exactly. But next point, I want to show you something. It's just interesting that in Hebrews 11, in Hebrews 11, that of course we know to be talking about the faith of the patriarchs of old. It's not interesting that in expressing, or better still, in judging the faith of the patriarchs of old, what we judge is not what they had inside of them, it is what they did. Let me explain. So, go to Hebrews 11. Go to Hebrews 11. I'm not going to explain the, the earlier part of Hebrews 11, verse 1 to verse 3, because I explained this in the Carolina Book of Friends last year, right? Where it says that, um, now, faith is sometimes of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I'm not going to try to do this. Verse 2, by it, the other obtained a good report. Now, go to verse 3. It says, true faith, we understand the world. Let's not do this. Verse 4. Verse 4, because of time. Now, notice, it's talking about faith. Genuinely, honestly, faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. Are we together, guys? Do you understand me? So now, if we're going to talk about faith, faith is not something tangible. Are we together? Faith is what is based primarily in the heart of the man. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? Does that make sense? But isn't it interesting that he is going to talk about the faith of, for example, Abel, and what he refers to is his sacrifice. Why? Because there must always be a resultant effect of faith. If there's no resultant effect, it's metal assets. Are you with me? You know, you see, this is a very important balance. I, well, to be honest, I, hate, I, I don't like the word balance, actually, because of the way people like to use it. But I don't, I don't like it. But this is a very... That is how the Bible teaches faith. Are you with me? There is actually no such thing as faith that works. There will be works. Do you know that? The issue that we can now begin to argue is whether or not you are to emphasize the works. Do you we can argue that, right? But what we cannot argue is whether there will be works. If you truly have faith, there will be an expression. And that is why, so, so he's talking about faith too. And the entirety of Hebrews 11, in narrating faith, there was never a place where he said, because of, you know, um, something they had in their mind. Because this, if I never even said because they believed, no. It always talk about what they did. Why? Because what they did was a function of what they believed. If they truly believed, they would do something. Are we together, guys? Do you understand me? 
So you must therefore understand that faith will always elicit an expression. There must always be an expression. Always. Mark 16, from verse 11 to verse 16. Mark 16, 11 to 16. So according to 1 Corinthians 15, one thing is clear. That when we talk about the gospel that saves a man, we are referring primarily to the death, burial, and resurrection. Are we together? But primary, if actually primarily the resurrection, because for a man to be raised from the dead, he has to first die. I mean, that doesn't make sense, right? So when we talk about, so we talk about the gospel, we're primarily referring to what? The resurrection. Does that make sense, guys? Does that make sense? All right, let's continue. Mark 16 from verse 11 to verse 16. He says, And they, when they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. We're going to see very, we're going to see later why they did not believe. Why they did not believe her. Because it's, it's important to note that they did not believe her. An argument can be if it was a man that saw. Now, in fact, it's not even an argument can be. Do you realize the moment it was a man that went to see and came back? Now they took them seriously. It, it's actually no, it's not even a joke. It was actually patriarchy. <laughs> actually, it, it actually was patriarchy. All right. And you know, one of the reasons why. Um, I, I think I thought about either I thought about or I was going to teach about when I thought about God in the face of Jesus Christ, Miro. And one of the things that you know that when you, when you pay attention to the New Testament, particularly the four Gospels, talking about the life of Jesus, what you realize is that Jesus actually was trying to push in sense from sort of, from sort of, some sort of social reform. For example, when you see, for example, the fact that in those days it was not normal for women to learn at the feet of a rabbi or for, for women to learn at the feet of a rabbi. And then you start the woman Mary, Mary, um, Mary Magdalene sitting with the rest of the disciples at Jesus' feet. That was the serious wallow. It was causing problems. That was the reason Martha thought she was right. Do you understand? Women normally don't sit and learn. They go and cook. <laughs> Sorry, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> they go and cook. They don't usually do this thing. It's just that it's a day still. Anyways, let me just continue. You know? And so that's where when Martha came to meet, you know, when Martha came to meet Jesus, she said it was right. Ah, Jesus said, ah, you are teaching. The normal thing is that you should be, you should be cooking. Look at the way she's in a cooking. Like, oh, Maria. She will not see us, man, am I? You get Then she says, you are, you are worried for many things. There's, there's only one thing that is important. She has chosen it. <laughs> and it's not be taken away from her. Hey! She says, Nami Nami. And then, so that's the thing. That was one. Another important thing to pay attention to. Do you realize that if we are to pay attention to scripture, the first person who announced Jesus as the Christ was the Samaritan woman. Not only did she announce, pay attention. Not only was she a woman, she was a Samaritan woman. You will not realize how ridiculous this is. It's so bad. That was the reason when Jesus asked her to give him water from the well, she had to ask him, don't you know I'm Samaritan? Because Jews were such that they don't relate to Samaritans. That was also the reason why that um, um, that parable of the Good Samaritan was as important as it was. Because the Jews and the Samaritans don't mix. Do you understand? So when you say a priest, a, a Levite passed, he didn't help him. A priest passed, he didn't. Ah, Jesus threw jabs there, strong one. Because why? Why use Levite, uh, Levites and priests? Do you understand? Why not just use a Jew, use Levites, use priests, use Pharisee. Then he says a Samaritan passed. A Samaritan has no reason to help a Jew. Do you understand me? Because if a Jew can't eat with a, he can't eat with a Samaritan. I always get that, guys. 
So that was the issue with the Samaritan woman. She was like, don't you know that I'm a Samaritan? You understand me? And then Jesus says, if you need the gift of God, right, you would ask him and he would give you a living water and then on and on. But then the important thing is that the first person who announced the Messiah, who announced him as the Christ, John the Baptist announced him as the Son of God. Are you together? Are you together? He announced him as the Lamb of God. The person who said he is the Messiah, who used that word, the Christ, the Messiah, was the woman, the Samaritan woman. Are we together? So the first time we see Jesus announced as the Messiah, if we see the first time we see Jesus announced as being raised from the dead, women, two times. God is too intentional for that to be a coincidence. Are we together? Too intentional. Another place where Jesus was, Jesus was actually killing the patriarchy. He wasn't joking about the patriarchy. Now, in John 8, there's a woman that is caught in the act of adultery. Are we together? And then they bring her to Jesus. The problem, I don't have any problem with the asylum. I only have a problem with the fact that adultery doesn't involve one person. I don't know if you realize it, but like, you can't adopt her with yourself. <laughs> you can't be adulterous towards yourself. So, there was a man involved. But somehow, we don't see the man. I will there. So it was a heavily patriarchal society. Do you understand? So in the things that Jesus did, we see so people hear people say very funny things. So why didn't Jesus um, have a woman among his disciples? It didn't matter. It didn't have to matter. Because you, you read consistently. There are people that we that were called Jesus' disciples that were not in the twelve. Are we together? An example, Jesus of Arimathea. Are we together? We were not in the twelve, but we were his disciples. When you see how close ministry accomplices um, Mary and Martha with, you cannot argue that they were his disciples. They were. I always get that, guys. Do you understand me? So, and, and so, hopefully, I'm going to have time to teach about it soon enough. If we actually look into the acts of God and the acts of Jesus upon the face of the earth, there are a lot of social cultural issues we realize that Jesus addressed when he was on the earth. Are we together? Xenophobia. Oh, this is my tribe. Yeah. It's a very stupid thing for a believer to be saying, ah, this is my tribe. I cannot marry from this tribe. It doesn't make sense. Amen? Let's tell ourselves the honest truth. It doesn't make any sense. Are we together? It doesn't make any sense. In Christ Jesus also, as long as the person is a believer, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. as long as the person is a believer, there's no such thing as I can't marry from this tribe. Believer, you can't. Are we together? No, of course, you have your preference. So, do you understand? People should force you to marry with your mind. You have to prove that there's neither Yoruba no Ibu. I will not marry a fig. <laughs> Do you understand? Shall I make sure you love the person? Do you get? But the reality of this is that you cannot be saying, in Christ Jesus, you can't be saying, so maybe you see a brother, good looking brother, comments a lot, fine, you know, everything, 100, 100. Do you understand? You know, say, where are you from? Where are you? Say, say what do you think? Ah! But it's fair, man, down. <laughs> fair, you know, fair. <laughs> that's no, that's, that's, you've not learned Christ. Are we together? Amen. So yeah, I'll go and pray to convince them. Hopefully, sure. And you did not get convinced. No, you're not. I don't know what to say. <laughs> maybe, maybe you choose one: love of your life or obedience to your parents. <laughs> hey, brother, man. You know that's when your parents now be saying that we live in a way. Yeah, we better around. Or any quick, yeah. 
<laughs> I think one of the parents told me that we ever heard about this topic, but which by the way, see, I have no problem with your parents going on top of this thing, by the way. No mother, for example, is no argument. She will pray on she will pray on it. It's not even she will pray. Before I ever thought about having a girlfriend, I always been praying. Do you understand? So it's not this thing. But what is this? No, it was this lady who I want to ask her bring three names. And as you do, the prophet will pray on it. And <laughs> first of all, the girl is also not serious. But I'll tell you why she's not serious very soon. Dude, and this one time, so she was I, I did not table with her mom. Her mom said, ah, that's why you really prayed. And I said that the name that work in the theory is like maybe Bolaji. Ah. You say, ah, okay, Bolaji goes to Bolaji. Mommy, there's no issue called Bolaji. And I told her, yeah, when you Bolaji. <laughs> oh, you know, let people agree that the prophet did not see where. <laughs> Why do you put your names? Even if you go, you want to test Wuli. You are not serious. You know, but I, I mean, so just put a balance to that. All right, nobody's saying that, you know. I mean, it's possible for people to pray and then they are led and stuff like that. So, see, listen to me. Use your eyes. I will together. Do you understand my point? You know, there's only I said, my decision is being of God's spirit. Essentially, it's God that gave us eyes and brain. So we can argue that using our brain is the leading of the spirit. Or, no, at least, leading of God. <laughs> amen? Amen? Are we together? God gave you a brain. Do you understand my point? He gave you eyes to see. Are we together? He gave you desires. I don't know those desires. It's God that put it there. Do you understand me? Just how many guys? So you, so he gave you. So we can agree that ah, the fact that you you say I want to fall in love, you know, I want to like someone, is the leading of God. There's no problem. Just my point. You will not decide how you will navigate it. So he gave you the way to take with ah, falling in love. Stand up and think. You just there's some rubbish I don't like. Stand up and say, ah, I cannot. The way I feel about her, I can't say, you know, you say, ah, I've gone too far. You went too far. That's what you used your leg and went just all the way. Say, ah, I don't know how come I've just fallen in love with him this much. <laughs> but you are talking to him every night. For the past one month, everything will happen afterwards. There was nations. <laughs> you receive nations. It's not, it's like, as what you are doing is prayer. Anything. Just like, it's not like we're giving God like, tongue and meditation. Do you understand? You, you were, which by the way, I must just add, and to be honest, I, I think it's also add the same person. How do you do one more talking stage and you don't know enough to decide whether or not you want to go into a relationship? Rand, no, like, don't get me wrong, but I'm not saying you enter a one more talking stage. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that. How come after one more talking stage, I'm still asking you things like, you know, what are this and this? I don't know. I don't know. Who are you discussing for one more? <laughs> 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 if you don't, I'll be annoyed. <laughs> People. <laughs> hey! If you don't, I'll be annoyed. <laughs> That's a boss my mind every time. Every time, every time I hear it. If, if you don't, I'll be angry. Ah, ah. You, you will like to be angry. <laughs> you be annoyed. Oh. Ah. You know, please, I, I cannot, I cannot just stress this enough. Use common sense because let me say something. See, God forbid, if if you enter, you enter. All I'll be telling you is, sorry, it is well. You, the Lord comforts you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, <that's true. laughs> 
<laughs> not you, not you. But that's it, though. That's it. There is no other council. At that time, there is no other council aside it is well. You know? Then, that's when you now learn forgiveness. Just that you will learn forgiveness. You will learn patience. The patience you don't have before to actually think well. And self-control you don't have before, you will use self-control. So just always, just maybe I don't even know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about relationship. Maybe that's got you start telling someone that you use brain. Ask the necessary question. Amen. The word is not for the wise. Hallelujah. That thing was serious. Like, mm. glory to Jesus. So, up of Jesus and then Satan. Thank you very much. All right. So, um. Mark chapter 16. Right, okay, I was talking about um, social issues. So Mark chapter 16 from verse 11 to verse 16. She's talking about what the gospel is. Mark 16 from verse 11 to verse 16. He says, And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. After that, he appeared in another form unto two of them, as they walked and went into the country. He says, And they went and told it unto the residue, neither believed they them. And after that, he appeared unto the eleven. As they sat at meat and obeyed them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not on them which had seen him after he was risen. Notice, Jesus did not, um, what was the word? Jesus did not reveal them because they ran away. Are we together? He didn't reveal them because they ran away. No. He didn't appear to Peter. And the first thing he is, you started because they came out. And what? I'm not, I'm not denying, I'm not denying. Small this thing like this. Gay, small gay. I don't know you. You don't know me. We don't hear that from Jesus. Right? All we hear is Jesus. Peter and Jesus said, Love that me more than this. I think it's a, I think it's a very important thing to learn, even in ministry or as a human being. Be quick to forgive. Are we together? We learn that in Christ Jesus. Be quick to forgive. Do you understand? Now, I mean, there's it now. This is a bit of an exception. I'll explain why. You know, an exception because in this scenario, Jesus knew he was going to receive the spirit. Are we together? Jesus knew what he needed was the spirit. Now, in our scenario, you might want to use your brain. Are we together? I always tell people something. Well, you, 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 are, you must always forgive. However, you don't have to always put yourself in a position to forgive. Are we together? Do you understand me? There are certain scenarios where you won't need forgiveness anymore if you just get idea. Do you understand? Do you get me? There's no issue, there's no problem. But so that I, I don't always have to want to need to forgive. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? That's it. Well, you know, that's something that you must learn as a minister of the gospel. You know, something, you know, one of the things I always ring to myself again and again. No offense. Do you understand? No anger, no let your heart be free. Let your heart be open. Do you understand my point? Jesus must say, ah, wow. Three old years. Three old years. One person cannot stay back. All of you. Small this thing like this. Everybody just busts. Carry it. We are going now to be standing like protocol. Yeah, so. Because my name is on me, I will do it. Oh. And don't let me lie for you. You now say, maybe something happened now. You now run away. They don't even come back. <laughs> Sister, forgive me. Go on that. Just go. If I be a man, now I've been raised up. I've, 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 I've risen up from the dead. You now know that God called me. 
if I be a man of you know, let's go. But more importantly, also something very key. We also realize that Peter never mentioned it again. And that's something very key to pay attention to. Do you realize Peter actually in the epistles or in the gospels never mentioned again the fact or in the book of Acts, never mentioned again the fact that he betrayed Jesus. You know why? It doesn't matter anymore. You see, that's also another important thing. Even for the person who receives forgiveness, stop holding on to the past. Stop holding on to regrets. Move on. Some people are still beating themselves down so bad, all right? Sometimes, in certain cases, the relationship ended not so well. You were the reason it ended. So, just that. Let it go. I was together. Move on. You apologize. You know, you know you've done the best you can. Person is still hurt. You know, apologize. Ready. You know, beg the person. Ask what you could possibly do. You've made amends as much as you possibly can. Move on. You know, Judas's problem was that he kept wallowing in regret. He could not forgive himself. That was Judas's problem. And he killed himself at the end of the day. The, the issue clearly wasn't that Jesus could not forgive Judas. Obviously, forgive himself. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? Don't stay there. Don't stay there for too long. It's one of the ways the devil traps us. It makes it very hard for us to forgive ourselves. You see what we've done as too big. And God cannot forgive you. What you know, I've messed up so bad. This is terrible. Get a hold of yourself. Get back up. Are we together, guys? Are we together? All right. So back to Max's thing. So Max is after he has already told them all this. So the discussion was as regards his resurrection from the dead. He then says in Max 16, verse 15, he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. According to what we've seen, the good news, all right, in the mouth of a messenger. Of course, the messenger in this case are the people he's sending. Does that make sense, guys? So what would the gospel be here? The news about his resurrection. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? So when we talk about the gospel, the, or the gospel that gets a man saved, fundamentally we are referring to what? The news about the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Beautiful. Now, go to Romans 10, from verse 8 to verse 10. Romans 10, from verse 8 to verse 10. Romans 10, from verse 8 to verse 10. My hand, my hand, my hand. It's, it's, from verse 8 to verse 10. Romans 10, 8 to 10. Can we try to answer towards his direction? <laughs> Say in the name of the Lord. <laughs> yeah, you got me. Say in the name of the Lord. Romans 10, verse 10. All right. He says, But what says it? He says, The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which you preach. This is beautiful. I'm going to show you why. Now, he says, In thy heart and in thy mouth. Now, if you don't understand what this place is saying, you would think he's saying there are two steps to get sense in. Because let's now continue. In verse 9, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess in thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that shall be saved. So it looks like in order to be saved, there are two things you have to do. You have to confess your mouth to the Lord Jesus and believe in your hearts that God raised him from the dead. Are we together, guys? But is that really what he's talking about? Let's look at it. Now, remember what I said about the idea of faith. That one thing with faith is this. Faith will always yield an expression. Are we together, guys? Do you understand me? So we have every right. Let me now say this. We therefore have every right. When we see a man who... Acts as though he does not know God. We have no reason to say you are not saved, even if he says he's saved. Amen. 
Are we together? Just I mean, no, yeah, as I said before, we've agreed salvation is by grace through faith. Do you understand me? But it's also not I just say I'm saved, so I'm saved. No, if you believe it, it places a responsibility on you, it places a demand on your life. You might not know the extent of the demand, agreed. We might need to reveal your mind concerning certain things, but at the littlest form, it will change your worldview about the world. First of all, you will know sin is bad. Just have to die for it. Clearly, it can't be a good thing. Do you understand me? So at least it will change your the, the, your inclination, the things that you, you do. You you try to avoid it. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together, guys? Exactly. And that's what James was actually talking about in James too. When James says, "Just as the body without the spirit is dead, so then faith without works is dead." That's it. He's not saying it is faith plus works. He's saying. If you claim you have faith, but there is no works, then there is nothing. But in reality, it is by faith a man is justified. Are we together, guys? Do you understand me? But that a man has faith will be shown in what he does. Do you get So at the end of it, it is still faith first. Or in fact, it is still really, it is faith alone. Are we together, guys? It's just that because he has faith, there will be works. But we will not see a man who has works and say because he has works, he is saved. No, it will still be by faith. However, because he has faith, there will be words that follow. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together, guys? So now, in Romans 10, the word used for confess there is the Greek word homologio. Homologio. Let me... I'm really enjoying my culture. Homologio. Is the word that means... To acknowledge. Are we together? To confess or to acknowledge. It's going to be from two words. Homo and Logos. Homo means the same thing. Homo. Are we together? <laughs> ah, it is well. Logos. Can either refer to now logos is a very interesting word. I, I think I must say this by the way. You know, there's something I used to say when we were on campus. They say logos is the written word, rema is spoken word. Say life. Life. You can check the definition. What does them is the same thing? You understand? A lot of places you see the spoken word used for logos. You understand me? Let me show you a very good place. Um, do I have it here? Mm, ah, I don't have it here, actually. I don't have it here. But maybe, maybe in Ife, I'll bring it out, actually. But Logos, okay, for example, when he says, you have no parts, no lots in this matter, go to, um, that is Act 8. Go to Act 8, when Paul was speaking to um, Simon, the sorcerer. Act 8, and when he spoke to him and he says, um, no, that was Peter now. When he spoke to Simon, the sorcerer, and he says, you have no parts, no lots in this matter. What is the word that I use for matter there? For those that, I mean, is there anybody that has a Greek concordance? Yeah, okay. What was the word used for matter? Logos. And it was referring to what? You, you have no part or lot in this thing we are discussing about. Are we together? So, Logos is not always the written word, and Rema is the spoken word. No. Logos sometimes can refer to what is being spoken. Do you understand me? It can refer to the intent, all right, that drives a person to do something. It also refer to what is being spoken. Do you understand? So logos and rema can be used interchangeably. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? Okay. So now, so so now when it says homologio, 
Homo means the same thing. Logos can mean utterance, to speak. Are we together? So homologio means to say the same thing again. Are we together? To say what has been said. So now, when he says, in order to be saved, you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. With what we have seen so far about faith, you understand that what he is saying there is not two steps to salvation. It is one. I confess with my, with my mouth because I believe. Let me put it this way. Because I believe in my heart, and faith always leads to an expression, I am able to confess with my mouth. Are you with me, guys? At the end of the day, if salvation is by grace through faith, all that it takes for a man to believe is to what? Is to believe. Are we together, guys? But because I believe, what happens? I'm able to confess with my mouth. Does that make sense, guys? Because an argument you can have, and probably you put it this way, a man that is dumb, how will he be saved if he has to confess with his mouth? Are we together, guys? Because confessing your mouth there does not mean you have to actually speak with your mouth. It just means that there will be an expression of faith. Do you understand me? Do you get what I'm trying to say? That's it. So to confess there means to say the same thing twice. So meaning that, and also pay attention. So also, just my point, that which I confess with my mouth is that which I believe to be saved. I'm not confessing a different message because you can also look at it and say, so when he says, you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, oh, sorry, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. He says, oh, confess with your mouth, Lord Jesus. But in my heart, I will believe that God raised him from the dead. But what I would, how will I confess? Lord Jesus. Hmm. In reality, Lord Jesus and the God raised him from the dead are one and the same. Why? Because the Lordship of Jesus was seen in his resurrection from the dead. Are we together? Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. He says, Let this man be which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, humbled himself to the form of a servant, and um, obeyed <clears throat> even unto death. Right? And he says, Therefore God also has highly exalted him, right? and has done what? And has given him a name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, Every knee should bow of things on earth, of things on the earth, um, of things in the heavens, of things on the earth, and of things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that what? Jesus Christ is what? To the glory of the Father. So, Jesus' Lordship was seen where? Upon his resurrection from the dead into eternal life. Are we together? Or his resurrection to the right hand of the Father. So, when we talk about the Lordship of Jesus, we are actually speaking concerning his death and resurrection. Does that make sense, guys? You also see Paul, um, sorry, Peter argued the same thing in Acts 2. In Acts 2, when he was saying that, therefore being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received a father of the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shared for this which he now stands here. Go to Acts 2 and verse 32. He says, mm, 33. I'm sorry, okay. I'm looking for the verse where he says, I think that would be verse 26, where he says that this Jesus, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. That's verse what? 26. No, no, no. It's not 26. Then try 36. Yeah, exactly. He says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. So he was crucified before because God has raised him from the dead. God has made him Lord and Christ. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? So when we hear the Lordship of Jesus, what comes to our mind? The resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Are we together? So now, you now understand that when he says, believe in your heart the Lord Jesus, confess your mouth that God raised him from the dead, you know, he's saying the same thing. Does that make sense, guys? So what he's really saying is, I believe in my heart the Lordship of Jesus, which is that God raised Jesus up from the dead, all right? And because of that, I am able to say it out. Because faith will always lead to an expression. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? 
Does that make sense? Beautiful. Let's continue. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now look at Matthew to the 12 from verse 34 to 40. So, just, so in, in emphasizing the fact that um, when you really believe something, there will be an expression of the same. Look at Matthew chapter 12 from verse 34 to verse 40. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He says, Oh, generation of vipers, how can ye? <laughs> That's why they killed him. Do you know who he's talking to? Oh, it's also the generation of vipers. How can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the earth, the what? Can you see that? Can you see that? It's a, it's a, it's a natural principle of life. Whatever you believe will influence how you act. So that's just my point. So it's not just a biblical thing. It's actually the reality of life. Whatever you believe in, whatever you have faith in, it will show you what to do. Are you with me? You can only live for so long. What you really believe will show up. It will show you how you act. It will show you the things you say. You can only be courteous for so long. <laughs> if you don't have own training, you don't have it. And it will show. Hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. Right, let's continue. So just a good man of the good treasure of the heart bringeth for good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth for evil things. It says, I say unto you that every I do word that men shall speak, they shall give account therefore in the day of judgment. It says, For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Why will you be justified or condemned by your words? Because your words are a reflection of the state of your heart. Are you with me? So it's not just because of the things you said, it's because in what you said, we see the reflection of where your heart truly is. Does that make sense, guys? And the state of your heart really, because instead of because by your heart you either believe unto justification or by your heart you don't believe unto condemnation. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. We're sure that it was an amazing time. For questions and inquiries, reach out to us on carisol.mini at gmail.com. We call you blessed.